What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can hit me up over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go check out EthosFantasyBB if you haven't already. I'm really excited for what we have in the works over there. We have a ton of new writers and content creators who are going to be doing stuff on the baseball side this year for us. All of their work will be sent out at EthosFantasyBB, so please make sure that you're following over there. You never miss any of our new stuff. Now, today we're going to get back into our outfielder review show. This will be outfielder review number five. I know we've kind of gone in and out with the outfielders. Uh, we started them, and then I was in Arizona, and I was doing some Arizona-based content, talking about first pitch, talking about some early draft results that I had from down there. We went back to the outfield review, and then we paused to look at the steamer projections that were released, I believe, last weekend. But we are going to get back into it today. We still have a lot of guys to go through, specifically in the mid-rounds. There are a lot of guys who are providing value, you know, ranging from overall rank about 100 through 200 that are still pretty viable options, and they're going even lower than that in some cases in drafts this year. So we're going to get into those guys. There's six guys we're going to talk about today specifically, and we're going to start it off with Ian Happ. So he finished as the 112th overall player on Yahoo this year, according to how they calculate their rankings he had a pretty good season, especially when you consider his ADP was 218 over on Yahoo, so he outperformed it by about 100 slots. 72 runs, 17 homers, uh, 72 RBIs, 9 steals, and a 271 batting average. A big part of his value there. I mean, a lot of it was kind of similar to last year, a few more runs, a few less homers, but it was getting that batting average up from 226 up to 271. Now, I, I like Ian Happ. He's still going to be under contract next season um, with the Cubs. I believe it's an arbitration year for him, and then he'd be a free agent. So I think that he is a fairly likely candidate to be moved midseason. Not really sure what the Cubs are going to do uh, so much this offseason. We're going to talk to Sarah Sanchez at some point this offseason about the Cubs and what she expects because she covers the team uh, really closely. But I think that there's a good chance that Ian Happ is going to be traded at some point uh, Maybe not before the season, but if it doesn't happen before the season, I'd be, I think it's probably going to happen during the season. There's been some people I've seen talking on Twitter about the Cubs might bring in Jose Abreu and sign uh, the Japanese pitcher Senga and you know make a bunch of moves and try and compete. I just don't really see it. I don't think that the Cubs are particularly close given their roster. It's, it's pretty, pretty bare bones. I mean, they won 74 games this season. They're not in a very tough division, but I really don't think that that's going to matter so much for them, at least for the next couple of years. I'd probably, if I were them, try and capitalize on Ian Happ and move him, which would just be you know gravy for his fantasy value. I think that he'll be a pretty decent asset next season, and he's going as the ADP uh, 168 in early drafts. I think that that's all right. I think if he does get traded, we're going to see that number probably shoot up, depending where he goes, of course. Uh, but I think it's likely that we're going to see that number move around a little bit. It feels generally okay. But I think, honestly, the more you look at a lot of these numbers at this point of the year, a lot of them are going to move around because people really aren't too sure exactly what the hell is going on. Uh, so for Ian Happ, the minimum pick, 141, maximum 202. I think some of those minimum picks could go into like the 110s, 120s, assuming, let's just say, he gets traded to a contender of some kind. I don't think that that's crazy at all to think that he could go in that kind of range. A switch hitter. You know, good power, especially if he keeps that batting average up. He's a career 249 hitter, but if he can build off of this 271 this season, I like that. I think that that's possible. He can maintain something close to it anyway. 
and maybe we see a couple of the home runs return as well. I mean, he's been over 20 a couple times in his rookie year, 24, and then it was now to 15, 11. He had 12 in the short year, and then 25 of them last year, 17 this year. I think he is about a 20 home run guy. I think that's pretty safe to say. 20 home runs, uh, you know, 70-ish RBIs. He gives you some decent steals. There's nine last year, nine this year. It's definitely valuable. Plus, let's call it a 250 batting average. This ADP feels pretty okay for me, 168. If you're able to get him here, I think that you'd be pretty comfortable doing so, specifically if you're in a five-outfielder league where they're kind of harder to come by. He's going as the 37th outfielder off the board in these early drafts. I think that's pretty okay. He's going just around where Whit Merrifield is going, slightly above him. Uh, if it's between those two guys, I feel a lot more comfortable in, in Ian Happ if that is the case there. Uh, and I don't even know if, if Whit Merrifield is going to keep that outfield eligibility next year. I think he will, actually. I think he will keep the outfield eligibility. But if those are your two guys that you're coming down to in your draft around that 160, 170 range, I think that you have to go Ian Happ, uh, you know, just for that particular case. We're not really sure about Merrifield's role. I'm thinking he's probably going to be back with the Blue Jays, but will it be every day? Will it be a platoon? What's he going to do? And, you know, with Ian Happ, there's a little more certainty. There's going to be a starting role there. Uh, he's typically a guy who plays a lot of games, which I know we've talked about recently. You can't really go off of that, but it's definitely something to look at. 158 games this year, 148 last year. He played 57 out of 60 in the short season. 2019, I think he was injured. He played 58 games the year before, 142. You have some consistency there with what you can expect, barring injury from what he's going to play, you know, 140 to 150 kind of game. So I do like Ian Happ in this range. He's not somebody who is going to be one of my guys for next season. He's not going to be like a big target of mine. But if you're getting into this range, you're a little shy or a little short on outfielders. I think that makes a lot of sense to go and grab Ian Happ. Next up, we have Alex Verdugo. There's a couple of Boston Red Sox we're going to be talking about today, and maybe a couple who will no longer be Red Sox. Uh, Tommy Pham and J.D. Martinez we're going to talk about as well. I'm just going down the Yahoo ranking board in terms of, I mean, all players, but we're specifically looking at outfielders. So I'm just going down based on how those guys were ranked. And the next one we have is Alex Verdugo. Now, I, I like Alex Verdugo. I think that he can maybe even be a little bit more valuable than what we saw this season. I think it was the steals, really, that held him back from being even better this year. Only one stolen base. And it really, as a whole, it was it was okay. I mean, it was better than okay, but fantasy-wise, I think it left you wanting a little bit more out of him. 75 runs, 11 homers, 74 ribbies, the one steal, and a 280 batting average. Like, real-life baseball player, that's amazing stuff. For fantasy, you're still pretty happy. Uh, but I think, honestly, we can see him get those steals up a little bit more. Maybe he can be a 10-steal kind of guy. And that would be obviously massive. Now, maybe we shouldn't expect that, but I think he's definitely capable of it. And it's something you should keep in the back of your head. He's going to be close to a 300 hitter. He's going to hit those 10 to 15 home runs. And he's going to drive in probably between, I think, 55 and 70 is a fair range to expect. It's just really about those steals for me. Is he going to be one steal or is he going to be six to 10 kind of range? And that does make a big difference. So, I like him. I definitely like Alex Verdugo. In terms of his draft price, he was um, 164 by ADP this year. He finished at 143 in terms of Yahoo rankings. And his early price for draft champions, these early uh, 2023 drafts, he's going off the board at pick 206. So there's definitely some value to be had there, especially in your deeper five outfielder leagues. Now, I have worried a little bit going back to this season, heading into the offseason. I've worried about what the Red Sox are going to look like heading into next year. Are they going to be in a rebuild? Are they going to try and get some assets this offseason, try and make a, another go of it with this with this core they have? 
I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows what the plan is at this point, which does make me a little bit nervous about Verdugo, but he's not somebody that really needs a ton of counting stats. That's not where the value necessarily comes from. You know, 60, 70 runs, 70 kind of RBIs. That you can do that. It just doesn't take much. You know, you don't need to be on an incredible team to put up those kind of numbers. I think he can do that even if they are kind of in a rebuilding mode because he would just have more of a role to play, you'd figure. I, I wouldn't really worry from that front so much for Verdugo, where I would in terms of, you know, Bogarts and Devers, specifically Devers, if he's like the last man standing there, the last star standing. We already saw his RBIs go down quite a bit from like the one. 10, 120 range down to like 80 something with Verdugo. I don't think we could see that kind of a drop necessarily. I don't think that, I mean, his profile, he's not going to be a hundred RBI guy, most likely anyway, this is probably his range. So Bogart's endeavors, let's say they leave Martinez and fam and everybody else is gone. I still think he can put up similar kind of numbers to what he did this year. You know, 11, 12, 13 home runs as those are his career highs and home runs, uh, 13 in 2021, he had 12 in 2019 I don't think that's going to change too much. The batting average shouldn't change too much. So where I do worry more so, mostly with Rafael Devers, those don't really carry over so much with Verdugo. They're definitely a factor. If it's a stacked lineup, sure, you might see that number hit like 80-something RBIs. But I think at this point of the draft, it makes a lot of sense to take a chance on Verdugo. Let's say you're doing your your 12-team drafts, your 10-team drafts. You're getting down to one of your last picks. I think Verdugo makes a lot of sense. He might not even be in your starting lineup if you're talking a 10-team league. I think probably in a 12 he would be, depending on how you you know order your how you prioritize your positions in your draft. I think he probably would be in a 12. Uh, but in a 15, I think he is a really strong asset here. Post pick 200, that kind of value for what he can provide. I know a lot of people we were talking in Arizona. We're kind of big on Verdugo. They think he can make even another step next season. Maybe he can bat over 300, which I believe he's done one time before. Uh, let me just see. He did it. Yeah, he did it in 2020. So I think there's a decent chance we could see him push that 280 up even into the 290, 300 range. Everything else I think will be generally the same, and I think that you'd be getting a pretty decent bargain here uh, getting Alex Verdugo past pick 200. <clears throat> Let's take a quick look at the minimum and maximum picks. Uh, where is he here? 157 minimum, 244 maximum. Even 157 doesn't feel that bad to me. That feels pretty okay. Uh, if you're getting him at 244, that is a huge steal. A- absolute steal. I mean, he's going in the same range as Riley Green, as Seth Brown, as Joey Manessis. Uh, I'd like him a lot more. He's going just below Cody Bellinger. I don't see why he should. He's going below Oscar Gonzalez. I, you know, Whit Merrifield, like we said before, I don't get it. I think Verdugo is going to have a lot of value in this 200 range, assuming he doesn't get pushed up too high. And I don't see much reason why he should. Let's keep going here. Hunter Renfro is the next guy we're going to talk about. He finished as the 145th ranked player over on Yahoo. Very solid stuff out of Hunter Renfro this season. 62 runs, 29 homers, 72 ribbies, one steal, and a 255 batting average. The counting stats were not exactly what we saw last year in Boston when he had 96 RBIs and 89 runs. It's a different team. It's a different situation. You can't really expect the exact same outcome. And, you know, this year, his 72 RBIs, 62 runs, it's a lot more in line with what he has done throughout his career. Uh, You go back to his first full season, it was 58 ribbies and then 68, 64 you know, 72 is right in line there. 96 is about, you know, we were talking about percentile outcomes these last couple of shows. That's like 100th percentile outcome for Renfro. In terms of runs, 
51, 53, 64. This year, 62. It's right in line. Last year, 89. It, it, it was an outlier season for him, and I think we probably should have seen that coming, although it's very hard to tell in advance. His ADP last year coming into the season was 180 over on Yahoo. In these early drafts that have taken place so far, he's going as pick 156. I like it at 156. I think it's maybe a touch high. Although when you get to this range, I know that a lot of people, from my own experience in the draft from last weekend, or I guess from 10 days ago now, whenever it was, uh, you start to scramble a little bit and you start to panic when a certain position goes off the board. So you might just start seeing a ton of outfielders go off the board in this range because there are a lot of them. Between like the 130 and 150 ADP mark, we're looking at like seven outfielders going within a span of 20 picks based on ADP. You might see guys start flying off the board and you think, shit, I need to get my outfielder here. I only have one. I only have two. I need to you know, keep adding to that position. I don't think that he is a bad pick at 156. But I think that we kind of know exactly what we're going to get out of him, which is those you know upper 20s, low 30s for home runs. Uh, it's going to be somewhere, like we said, 60, 70 kind of RBIs, 60 runs, and like a 250, 240 batting average probably. Maybe he pushes up the 260 kind of range, but for the career, he's a 240 guy. Uh, last couple of years, 259, 255. I think that he is fine in this range. There's just not a lot more upside than what we've already seen. And that's, for a lot of people, fine. I mean, you pick a guy and you pretty much know what you're going to get. 30, 70, and 250. You tell people that going into the year, a lot of people will take that. Now, will they take it at this exact pick is, a, is another question. I think that it's fine. He's not somebody like Verdugo where I look at the price and I say, that's a good bargain. That's a really good price for a guy like him. With Renfro, it's like, this is pretty okay. I don't get excited about taking him here. I mean, if you look at the minimum and maximum picks, 122 is the minimum. That feels really way too high for me. 190 as the maximum feels at that point, you know, kind of too low for me. So maybe maybe it is right in the 150s. I just don't get really excited about drafting him. If you can, and I know it's hard to forecast this, but you can wait 50 picks and get yourself Alex Verdugo. And then you wait another round and you get yourself Jeff McNeil. Guys that I feel a lot more confident in. Lars Newbar even at 230. Uh, Trey Mancini at 253. Lourdes Gurriel at 258. There is some value down the board with outfielders. I don't think you necessarily have to take him here. Again, it might come to a point where you're seeing outfielders go every single pick and you want to secure one, you might take him here, and I think that's fine. It just really doesn't excite me, I guess, is, is the bottom line. But he is still a quality player. You're likely getting 30 home runs, and you know you can't say that about a lot of players. So... I'm not going to give you a hard time for, for taking Renfro here or for wanting to take him here anyway. Let's move on to Jock Peterson. He finished as the 152nd ranked player over on Yahoo after having an ADP of 226 heading into the season. And Jock Peterson, I believe, was an all-star. I've tried to purge the all-star game from my memory, but I believe he was in the all-star game. 57 runs, 23 homers, 70 ribbies. He stole three bags and he batted 274. Now, he's not going that high in drafts next season or this I guess heading into next year for 2023 drafts, Jesus, he's going to pick 267, which is not a big investment by any means, but I still am not crazy about it. Like, even though he's the 61st outfielder off the board, I think we may get trapped here expecting, you know, a similar season to what we saw this year when in reality, I don't know how likely it is to happen again. So he hit 23 home runs this year. That's a very attainable number for him between 20 and 25 home runs, but we don't know where he's going to sign yet. He is a free agent. He might go sign with the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have been linked to him a little bit. 
If he signs here, he's probably not an everyday outfielder. In fact, he's likely a platoon guy. And in that case, he's not getting these numbers again. 23 homers, 70 RBIs. I think that those are they're definitely attainable depending on where he goes. But I'm projecting him a little bit cautiously as of right now. And it's not really due to those numbers. Those are kind of in line with what he's done through his career. 23 and 70. His 162 game average is 27 and 69. I don't think that that's too unreasonable, but I don't really expect him to hit 274 again. His career batting average is 237. If you go back every year, last year it was uh, 238, in the short year 190, and then it was 249, 248, 212, 246. I doubt we're going to see him reach that same kind of batting average again. It seemed like one of those outlier years, um, just heading over to fan graphs, just take a look. Babbitt was at a career high at 310. And, you know, that's something that we have to look at here. Uh, I, I don't really expect him to be a 270 guy. I don't think really anybody does. I don't think you should be drafting him with that expectation that you're getting a bit of a positive in batting average, when in reality you're probably getting a negative in your batting average. Stolen bases are just okay for him. He had three this year. He had two last year. He had one the year before. Nothing really great there. Uh, I think that if you are in specifically in those like 12 team leagues and again a lot of this will be dictated by where he signs if he signs with the team and he is the everyday outfielder he's playing there's not really much platoon going on then I push him up the draft board pretty comfortably around you know where's he going 267 then he comfortably gets pushed up to around 200 I think if he signs with the team and is a platoon then this is probably even a little bit too high uh, but let's say he signs with the team and he's playing 140 games we expect 140 games I think that we can probably comfortably take him with your last couple of picks uh, in like a 12 team league if you're taking him in a draft champions kind of format where your roster is set for the whole year especially drafting now I wouldn't really want to have too many shares of him there's too much uncertainty for me to really say I'm confident taking him wherever at this price the price is nice don't get me wrong 267 what did I say he was the 60th outfielder 61st outfielder off the board it's hard to really go wrong at that price, but at the same time, you, you can make a mistake if you're drafting 750 players deep, which is what happens in the draft champions. It's relatively high still at pick 267, and you got guys going a little bit below, you know, like Chris Taylor, uh, Charlie Blackman, Bubba Thompson, Dylan Carlson, Jesse Winker. There are guys where I feel a little bit more confident. Even Austin Meadows is going quite a bit lower. He's going like 50 picks below feel a little bit more confident about all of those guys really I just think again outfielders can go pretty quickly and this is another range where we have a lot of outfielders going uh, between ADP 250 and ADP 270 we have um, 11 outfielders I could definitely appreciate that you get to that point in the draft you might be lacking outfielders to begin with and then you start seeing a bunch of them fly off the board Mancini goes then Conforto then Gurriel then Grichuk then Grisham then maybe Austin Hayes or whoever, and Manuel Margot, and you're thinking, okay, I need to get an outfielder here. You might take Jock, and I don't think it's necessarily going to be a bad pick in this range. I just don't think that there is much room for him to really exceed it, depending on where he goes, of course. Like, there's a couple destinations that would be good for him, but I think for the most part, we're going to see a guy who's going to platoon, probably go to sign for a good team, be a you know platoon guy, only bat against righties or predominantly against righties. And that'll probably squash his overall value. I'm, a, I'm definitely skeptical here about Jock Peterson. He could end up smashing this ADP. It's a, it's a chance he signs with a good team. He 
he's playing 130 games, he could hit 30 home runs. He could drive in 80, probably with a poor batting average, but he could definitely exceed this range. I just think when you're looking at the guys going around him, I have a lot more confidence in some of the other names. So not really going to be a big Jock Peterson guy. Of course, that could change based on where he signs. But as of right now, mostly going to be out on him heading into next season. Let's talk about a couple more guys. We mentioned them earlier. They're both outgoing Boston Red Sox players. I don't think either is going to return. We'll start with Tommy Pham. He started as pick, or excuse me, he was ADP 246 heading into 2022. He finished as the 160th ranked player according to Yahoo. That's great value, and he's going to pick 304 in these early drafts so far. It feels like a pretty steep little discount. I mean, I know we don't know where he's going, but Tommy Pham is a decent little fantasy player. This year, it was 89 runs, 17 homers, 63 ribbies, 8 steals, and a 236 average. Last year, it was 74 runs, 15 homers, 49 ribbies, 14 steals. He's not going to be a big batting average guy for you, but he can rack up those counting stats. And I think that there is definitely value to be had in Tommy Pham, especially after pick 300. You get a guy who is likely going to be giving you at least close to double-digit home runs and double-digit steals with an okay batting average. It's not going to be good. It's going to be like 240, 230 kind of range. He's a career 260 hitter, but a lot of that comes from his early careers, um, you know, seasons in St. Louis where he was a 270 hitter. His two years in Tampa, he was almost a 290 hitter. He can be like a 250 kind of guy. I think we kind of have to expect in the 230 to 250 range. Double-digit homers and steals, though. That's where a big piece of this is going to come from. And maybe it's going to be eight steals, or maybe it's going to be like six steals or whatever. He is not a young guy. He's 34 years old, um, and he's going to be 35 at the start of next season. But he's always been a base stealer. I know... There's a lot of guys you have to you know, take away steals as they get older in your projections. But he's already kind of gone down a little bit from what he used to be at. He was like a 20, 25 steal guy. I don't see any reason why he can't be a 10 steal guy going forward and still give you similar power numbers to what we've seen. So Tommy Pham here for me, I, I again, a lot depends on where he signs. But this feels like a huge bargain going as the 75th outfielder off the board. I like him here quite a bit. He's going below guys like Lane Thomas. Nick Gordon, Jorge Soler, uh, Jake Fraley is going right around that same range. Edward Olivares. I'd feel a lot better about Tommy Pham. And again, with free agents at this point of the year, we really have no idea where they're going to sign, what their value is going to be. That's why I'm really nervous about projecting Peterson as well, because he might sign in a place that's fantastic for his fantasy value, and then I end up looking stupid saying that you should fade him. At this point, with the information we have, you have to factor in that it could be a horrible location as well. You can't just assume it's going to be, oh, Peterson's going to bat fourth now for the Astros. And, you know, you, it's it's not likely that that kind of thing is going to happen, not even just the Astros, but for a high-powered team. I think that he probably does go to a good team. It's just a matter of the role. And with Fam, I, I worry about that as well a little bit, but he's not a dude who's going to be heavily platooned. I think he'll probably sign somewhere and play Maybe not every day, but he'll play most days. Uh, you know, this season it was 144 games. Last year, 155. We throw away the short year for these kind of things. Uh, he played 145 of them in 2019, 137 in 2018. He's always playing a lot of games. And yes, I know I'm going out of, speaking out of both sides of my mouth. You can't put so much value into that. You can't make that be a main factor for drafting somebody. But certainly, when there is a track record year in year out of them playing consistently most games, I think you have to look at that and say, okay, 
it's not fully indicative of what's going to happen going forward, but at least we don't have a track record of constantly being hurt. You know, that's definitely something to, that's, that's the way I would look at that. Not as he's never been hurt. He's never going to be hurt, but at least he's not, you know, Byron Buxton or Adalberto Mondesi or whoever guys that get hurt constantly that you can't trust. He's definitely not in that range. And I think with guys who typically play 120, 130 games plus every single year, you can kind of group them into that more safe category. Not that they are safe for sure, but they are more safe. And Fam is definitely more on the safe side for playing time. Like we've talked about, double-digit home runs, likely double-digit steals, and without really hurting you in the counting stats, I don't think he'll get 89 runs again, but he could definitely give you like 70 to 80 to go along with 60-ish RBIs. I think that there is a lot of value specifically based on the draft pick. As the 75th outfielder off the board, there's really not much risk there. One more guy we're going to talk about who was his teammate this year, it's J.D. Martinez. And I, I worry a lot about picking J.D. Martinez. There's a couple, a couple reasons why. Well, first of all, let's go back and look at this year. So J.D. Martinez, his ADP was really high. It was 62. Coming off of a very good season last year, you can understand it. He had 28 home runs, 99 ribbies. He batted 286. A good part of the year, he was batting over 300 last year as well. So it's understandable people were taking a chance on him. He finished as the 165th ranked player on Yahoo, which even that feels kind of high. Uh, you, you would have thought just watching him this season, if you had any shares of him, which I didn't actually, I didn't have any shares, but just watching him this year, you would have thought it'd be a lot lower. But 76 runs, 16 homers, 62 ribbies, and a 274 batting average. It's still okay. Now, in these early drafts, he is going as pick 217, but there's definitely something to note. And I didn't even realize this. This is why we do these reviews and look at these information, pieces of information. I was sorting by outfielder, and I didn't see him. That is because he is literally just utility eligible. He did not play one time in the field this year. He played 30 times in the field last year, so we had it heading into this season. But going into next year, J.D. Martinez is not going to have outfield eligibility. He's going to be utility only, and I think that that's probably something that is going to stay. I don't really expect, after taking a year off from being in the field, heading into, I believe he's going to be 35 heading into next year. Oh, he is 35 already. He turned 35 at the end of this year. I don't really see him, <clears throat> excuse me there, I don't really see him being somebody who is going to regain that eligibility. So that's something that is going to hurt you, maybe not necessarily hurt you, but it has the potential to hurt you if you don't realize that going into your draft and you take him as an outfielder. He's not an outfielder. Definitely something to remember. Uh, wherever he goes, he is going to be a strict DH. And how many games is he really going to play? This year was 139. I could see it being even less next year. And naturally with age, uh, performance has already gone down. We saw him hit 16 home runs this year, which is the lowest number that he had had. Going back 10 seasons, back to 2012. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm correct there. Yeah, I mean, throwing away the, the short season, which you kind of have to for these things. 16 home runs. He only drove in 62 RBIs, which was his fewest going back to 2013. This was a bad year for him. Uh, and I think the price reflects it, but I don't even know if it reflects it enough considering the eligibility, considering the uncertainty with where he's going to sign. He might be a guy who is just a bench option for a team next year. Like I, I think that he'll probably probably get a chance to start somewhere as a DH. But it wouldn't shock me to see a contending team sign him to be a pinch hitter, you know, start twice a week kind of thing and play 75, 80 games next year. Wouldn't surprise me at all. 
And if that is the case, of course, then this price has to go way down. I, I don't I don't feel any kind of confidence with drafting J.D. Martinez right now. I, I wouldn't be taking him in any leagues if you can avoid him. I think that there is a lot too much to worry about. Location, playing time, and everything else. I'm I'm not there. And I just want to take a look at the minimum and maximum picks. Uh, minimum 168, maximum 271. If you're taking him at 168, you're taking chances. Uh, there's no reason why he should be going around around 10 or around 11 in a 15-team league. I think that that's really, really pushing it. If you're getting him at 271, all right, you're not really risking too, too much at that point. Again, if you're picking 750 players, it's still pretty early. But at that point, I think you're probably going to take the chance Batting average is usually good. It, it's always been good. Now, it fell off a bit this year. Will it continue to fall off? Anybody's guess. Maybe he goes down to 265. Maybe he picks it back up and hits, you know, 280. That's totally possible. The batting average is not really a huge concern. It's more so the power and the counting stats that'll come with it. You know, he's been a guy for his entire career where he's driving in close to 100 runs. Anyway, for the majority of his career, He's driven in 100 runs four times. He's been in the he's had 99 last year. That's not coming back. Um, the home runs he's been upwards of 40, you know, 43, 45. He had 38, 36. I don't think we're gonna see anything even remotely close to that ever again from him. I think we're at best case line that I see for for JD Martinez right now is like 20 homers, 75 ribbies, and like a 280 batting average. And of course, if he can do that, that's really valuable. But I don't think we can expect that that for me would be like everything goes correct for Martinez he has a solid role he's playing most days if not every day that's what I think he can do uh, I don't expect a random surge of power again next season I, I think the playing time will go down I think everything will probably go down except maybe not the batting average maybe it sticks around 270 sure uh, but as a whole I, I'm not excited about drafting him and I don't think you guys should be either really out of the guys we talked about today, Verdugo is my favorite to draft. Certainly at ADP at 206, I really like him there. I don't think that he is going to be affected by changes to the lineup in Boston. I think what he's going to give you, which is about 70 runs, about 70 ribbies, 10 home runs, 10 steals, and that kind of range, I think that that's going to happen regardless of where he is, who's around him. Maybe, of course, you know, if he's on the 27 Yankees, he's going to drive in more runs, sure. But I think as a whole, he's going to be giving you about 70 maybe 65, maybe 75. That's not going to change so much. He's the guy where I'm feeling really confident in his value at pick. 206 is really good. Ian Happ, I feel pretty good about as well at 168. Obviously a lot better if he gets traded. Renfro, a little boring at 156, but I do think at the end of the day, if you take him there, he's not going to hurt you too badly. He'll still probably give you 30 home runs, 80 ribbies roughly, and bat in the 240 range. And that's totally acceptable as long as you're not reaching up too high to get him. 156 and below, I'm feeling pretty good about. Chalk Peterson, not too much confidence in him currently. I think I'm going to be fading him. As long as he's going in this range, if he keeps getting pushed down a little bit, maybe, you know, we see him go around pick 300 or something, we'll talk. Um, but as of right now, not really too interested. Tommy Pham, very interested at pick 304. I think that he can have a lot of value here. Giving you double-digit homers and steals with, you know, kind of similar line to what Alex Verdugo is going to give you. Probably a little bit less than what you can expect from Verdugo. You'll get out of fam. We don't know location still, obviously. Uh, but I think they're going to be kind of similar products there. And J.D. Martinez, a total wild card for me right now. Like we said, not a lot of confidence I can have in drafting him at this point. If you're getting him where his ADP is, 
not too much confidence. If you're getting him, you know, at his maximum pick, if you're getting him at, what is it, 271, then I'm a little more interested. But still, as a whole, I can't see myself being too in on J.D. Martinez. So, guys... That is going to wrap it up for us today. We will continue with Outfielders tomorrow and for the rest of this week. We will finish up with Outfielders, I think, this week. Give us three more shows. We'll get through 20-ish more names, and I think that that'll probably do it for us. There are so many Outfielders, though. I could literally do... I don't even want to know how many shows I could possibly do with Outfielders, but I could probably do, like, a month worth of shows every day. Just going through five Outfielders, you get to, like, you know... 150 in total, somewhere in that range. Uh, you, could, you could easily do it. There's guys who are going pretty late who are not going to have a ton of value, which is why we're not going to focus on them so much. But, like, Andrew McCutcheon's probably not somebody we're going to talk about too much this year. Akil Badu, simply because they're going off the board as outfielder 119 and 120. Could spend a lot of time, and maybe we'll touch on them here and there. Uh, there are just so many freaking outfielders. Like, you just you can't get through them all. Um, again, I could if we want to spend a hell of a lot of time on them, but I also don't want to be doing 20 shows on outfielders. I feel like you guys will probably tune that out. You see, oh, Joe did an outfield show today, part 17. I feel like at that point you start to say, okay, let's move on, forget about it. Today was number five. We're going to do probably eight. Maybe we'll make it an even 10, but I think outfielders are going to be coming to an end at some point over the next week, then we'll go move on to pitchers, which I'm very excited for. There's a lot of pitchers. I used to be a pitcher. It's my favorite position, probably in pro sports. So we're going to spend a, a, quite a while on pitching. We'll spend a good couple of weeks. We have Michael Simeone, who's going to come and help us out next Tuesday, next Wednesday, depending on when that show gets posted. So please make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. You get these shows right when they are released. Go follow me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and Ethos Fantasy BB. Specifically, go check out that one. That's where all of our new content will be posted. We have a new fantasy baseball podcast that will be coming out at Sports Ethos. I don't want to give days because I'm not exactly sure, but certainly before Christmas, I think that's absolutely a guarantee here. Uh, we're going to be seeing another podcast hosted by a great individual. We have a ton of written content that's going to be coming your way. In fact, something that was just sent in to our editor yesterday, a huge piece talking about predicting uh, post or not postseason, predicting uh, free agent signings and locations for next year. That's going to be something that's out on the website in the next day or two, I would imagine. So make sure you are checking out sportsethos.com and following Ethos Fantasy BB. But that's enough out of me for today, guys. We'll pick it up again tomorrow with some other mid-range outfielders. Cheers, everybody. Take care.